This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Beyond Politics, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, and the eyes of the political world and, frankly, the media world and just about the world were turned this week to stunning testimony from Francis Haugen, a former Facebook product manager turned whistleblower, who continued the revelations that she has brought forward, including on 60 Minutes and through documents that she provided to the Wall Street Journal, showing that Facebook is well aware of the negative impacts that its product has on us as people and on our society, our government, our democracy, and frankly, the state of democracy around the world and their callous indifference to those effects. It brings up a whole set of questions about how we manage social media platforms, how we manage Facebook in particular with its unprecedented reach into our brains and into our lives, and into our fingertips. I am going to give a massive shout out here to our guest. E.J. Fagan is an assistant professor in the Department of Political Science at the University of Illinois at Chicago. One year ago today, as you hear the sound of my voice on your radio or on your podcast, he wrote an article called End the Algorithm on a fantastic website called Tech Policy Press, in which he called for an end to the Facebook algorithm, the way it determines what ends up in front of your eyeballs and inside your brain. He suggested that that's the only way to end all of the negative effects that we are dealing with when it comes to Facebook. So I have dragged EJ, our previous guest, back onto the show to explain how you saw this coming a year ago and why this is the right solution to all the things that ail us about Facebook and other social media platforms. Welcome back. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. And I have to admit, I uh, I come to this with with frustration. I I am I am really ticked off about this because part of the revelation here is that Facebook not only has kind of a callous indifference to you know what it's doing to democracy and what it's doing to our brains, but particularly what it's doing to young people. And we know now that it was trying to create a product to introduce. It's its platform to young people even earlier, and it didn't seem to care. So I, I'm 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 frustrated. I'm annoyed, but I don't think I'm alone. I I've I've kind of come to this feeling recently. You had it a long time ago. You wrote about this a year ago. So first of all, um, clap shout out to you, and second of all. What were you seeing a year ago that suggested to you, this is a massive problem and here's the way to deal with it? You know, I wish I could say I'm a genius, but, but I'm not, right? This is, it was an entirely foreseeable problem. And the, the revelation that Haugen brought out to us was the confirmation that Facebook knew what we all suspected. So I wrote that essay a year ago and I said, Content that is inflammatory, that is divisive, that makes people angry is more likely to be shared 
and therefore drive higher engagement and therefore any algorithm program to maximize engagement is going to share more stuff that makes us angry. Um, it's gonna share more conspiracy theories. It's gonna share more hatred. And uh, I wrote that. I didn't have any evidence. I'm not, I, I don't have, Facebook doesn't let me into the, let me into uh, to, to their data centers and, 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 and measure this. Uh, but I think it's a, it was a fairly clear assumption. And what Haugen showed us is not only is that true, not only is it, is it true that, that more divisive, more harmful content is more likely to drive engagement, uh, but it is also true that Facebook knew about this and Facebook is capable of stopping it. So they, at one point, we, we heard news stories about this at the time, were looking to shift their algorithm to make people happier, to encourage people uh, to, uh, to, to show more things like family photos and all the stuff that Facebook was started as a, uh, as a means to share and, and de-emphasize news. And what they found was, was that decreased people's time on the platform. They made less money. They were less likely to click on things. They were less likely to view things. And so Facebook never rolled that out broadly. They never decided that that was going to be the Facebook that we all, we all experienced. They instead decided that we're all going to experience a Facebook that makes us angry, that shares news, that shares conspiracy theories, that shares misinformation. And as a result, we have seen our politics completely broken by Facebook. And, and I just, you know, I, Frances Hawkins, the hero here. And, and I, I really think what she did was um, show incontrovertible evidence of what, what we all suspected was true. And I think that that leads to, uh, Facebook is gonna try to deny this. They've already tried to basically say that she was just a nobody in the company and, and all those sorts of things. But I, I think we're gonna see some real action here. And, and, and the stuff that I was proposing a year ago, I wasn't the only person proposing this. There was already legislation in Congress to, uh, to, to do things like make, it, make, it, uh, make Facebook liable for their algorithm and make other social media companies liable for their algorithm. Uh, but I think we're gonna see something right here. I, I think we saw a real sea change in, in the way that we think about artificial intelligence and social media. Well, look, first of all, uh, a former Facebook data scientist, Roddy Lindsay wrote an article in the New York Times this past week in which he echoed, I mean, like eerily echoed a lot of your argument from a year ago. So I've talked about this before, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it just really, it goes to show that, okay, maybe you weren't the only person, maybe you weren't the first person to talk about this problem in this way, but you did put your finger on the core of it. And let's just, let's just take a step back here to sort of define the problem here. People, our listeners have probably heard me refer to this before. There's a joke in consulting that if you want to, actually it's true in just about any realm. If you want to sound smart, let's say you're, you get dragged into a business meeting and especially you're, you're not paying attention particularly well. Your mind is wandering during the meeting. All of a sudden attention turns to you. How do you sound smart in that moment? Well, what you do is you lean back You've got glasses, you take them off and you kind of bite on the, the ear frame and you say, all right, let's take a step back here. What problem are we trying to solve? Now, it's a joke because you, you sound smart, but by the way, it's real because you really do sound smart if you frame things that way. So, but I think it's an important point. Let's define what problem we're trying to solve. I did not hear in your article you saying, all social media is bad. We should have no way to share photos and stories and what's going on in our lives 
with our old high school classmates. We shouldn't be able to create online communities. That's not the problem. What is, what is the problem? And, and, and why does the algorithm have so much to do with it? You're correct. And I, one, realistically, we're not eliminating social media ever. Um, but also social media brings a lot of people a lot of joy. It connects people in a lot of ways and it, it can be a very useful and important tool like any other type of media. The problem with the algorithm is that it is programmed like you program a machine. So when you think about an editor of a newspaper, an editor of a newspaper has a complex decision to make every day when they determine what the front page is. They, they wanna maximize revenue. They wanna increase revenue for the newspaper. Uh, they wanna make some of their employees happy. They have some stories they think are particularly important. They have the long-term interests of their audience in mind in, in mind in some way. When you think about a computer, you have to program that function into a computer. You have to choose something to maximize or give it some utility function. And when social media platforms like Facebook, but not only Facebook, are deciding what content to show you, you are looking at the result of that, that computer decision-making, the way that any artificial intelligence makes a decision. And so when Facebook says, okay, what are we going to maximize? They have, at least according to Hogan, and, and we don't, the truth is we don't actually know what this equation looks like. This is, this is a trade secret of Facebook's. I'd like to know. It's what a black it is. box. It is a black box. And as I'll mention in a second, even Facebook doesn't really know what they're doing here. Um, but they are trying to maximize what, what people usually refer to as engagement. People clicking on things, liking things, commenting on things, et cetera. And to some degree that that's related to advertising revenue that they're also trying to maximize. But it, it appears that they're not trying to literally just maximize advertising revenue, though on Instagram, maybe that's the case. The, uh, what that means is, is that you're gonna tell a computer to figure out a strategy to increase engagement. And the, the means by which a computer has to fulfill that strategy is to show certain types of content and not show other types of content. And that leads to unintended consequences. And because of the amount of data Facebook has, it can just feed millions and millions of little observations to a computer and give a very personalized guess at what, what content will generate clicks and engagement and whatever else they're trying to maximize. Which means that the computer starts to function like a bit of a runaway artificial intelligence. Um, and I, I think to illustrate that, you know, it's, it, it's interesting that you say that because I, I, I want to bro broaden your point a little bit. It's not that artificial intelligence or, so first of all, when you say algorithm, I think what, what, you, what you're referring to is, for lack of a better word, it's an artificial intelligence. It's a computer's ability to make decisions for us based on some things that human beings program in and some things that it kind of figures out for itself. And what I what doesn't bother me so much is when Netflix has an algorithm that suggests, hey, you enjoyed the Great British Bake Off. Maybe you would like the Great British Sing Off or maybe you would like the Great American Bake Off because it's guessing you like singing or you like things that are British or whatever it is. That doesn't bother me so much because it's making some suggestions. I, I'm showing up on Netflix to watch a show and I'm just trying to decide which show am I going to watch? What It bothers me a lot more 
when Facebook is, is making decisions through its algorithm, through its artificial intelligence about, we have you here now. And all we're trying to do, we don't care what we pump into your brain. All we care is we keep you here. It's essentially the same proposition as a casino. They don't really care what you do as long as you stay inside the casino and you keep playing because that's how they make their money. Am I way off kilter here or are you thinking along the same I think you missed the key distinction between the two platforms. Every Mm. piece of content that Netflix could conceivably serve to you and choose what you see is a piece of content selected by Netflix and paid for by Netflix to be on the platform, which means that they exercise some sort of editorial control. Netflix has, to my knowledge, never posted a COVID-19 conspiracy theory on their platform, although Mm. many quote-unquote high-quality videos exist that would conceivably not be out of place on Netflix. They have made that decision. Facebook hosts user-generated content. Because it hosts user-generated content, anything can go up on Facebook uh, that, that doesn't violate, very specifically violate their terms of service, and then anything is exposed to their algorithm. And so if there is no form of content moderation, then literally the craziest stuff can get served to millions of people very, very quickly. An example of this used to be the namesake of my book, Alex Jones, who, whose channel InfoWars used to be prominent on YouTube and Facebook and other places. And he would put stuff that was just insane on the platform. He would put Sandy Hook conspiracy theories stating that the Sandy Hook shooting at the elementary school was a quote unquote false flag operation where government actors were actually paid and and, and all this absolutely horrible stuff, which harmed the people involved. And people had their kids killed and shot. And they have to deal with this this awful person um, putting this information out there and then Facebook sending it to millions of people. And the problem with our current legal system is that Alex Jones is, is on trial. He is being sued right now for the harms that he caused those families in Texas, in, 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 a, in a court system that's not particularly friendly to these types of lawsuits. And Alex Jones uh, is going to probably have to pay up, uh, but Facebook isn't. Facebook and YouTube are not liable for the content that they promoted during that time. And what Haugen is, is, is revealing to us is that this process repeats time after time after time again. Everything from you know, the big obvious political things that, 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 are, that are out there, things that, that encourage political violence. Um, we, we, she mentioned the Rohingya in Myanmar. She mentioned um, uh, other persecutions worldwide and also on a micro level. So one of, the, um, one of the things that came up during this was some data showing that um, about a third of girls under the age of 18 uh, after they, they spend time on Facebook and Instagram, they develop worse body issues. This is because they are being sent content which encourages all of that. In any other form of media, there is an editorial control to prevent that type of thing from occurring. And the problem with Facebook and YouTube, specifically those two big ones, but also just, just content algorithms in general, is that nobody has any type of editorial control other than the robot. And the robot has one plan. The plan for the robot is to maximize engagement. And it will come up with whatever very sophisticated strategies are necessary to get to that end. And that is often, and maybe even normally, very bad for human beings. Human well, you beings know, do not yeah, go for it. No, you, you make a really good point. That is a great distinction between Netflix and, and, and Facebook. And I want to 
I, I want to build on that and maybe draw another distinction that I think is important here because it pairs with the algorithm thing, but maybe you'll disagree with it. I'm not, I'm not sure. But, you know, when I go to Netflix, I am Netflix's customer. I pay Netflix to give me movies and shows. And so that's that I'm the customer and the product is movies and shows. On Facebook, who's the customer? I would argue that the customer is the advertiser and the product is me, my attention, my engagement, my eyeballs, my brain. Facebook makes money when advertisers think that they can get more attention from me and they can try to sell stuff to me by advertising on Facebook. Netflix makes money when I like the movies and shows that I'm seeing, so I keep up my subscription. And so what, what the, the connection that I see here with your point about the algorithm is in the case of the algorithm, we're basically turning loose in, into the wild a buffet, okay? Facebook gets to put a buffet of content in front of me. And what they could say is, hey, it's it's Matt Robeson's free choice, right? We're going to put bananas. We're going to put kale salad. We're going to put crack cocaine. We're going to put, you know, we're going to put ice cream over here. And, you know, look, most human beings, they may tell themselves that they're going to pick the salad, but a shocking percentage of the time, they're going to choose the ice cream, if not the crack cocaine. And it's those two combinations. It's the combination. It's the, it's the business model and the incentive that Facebook has to maximize engagement so that their customers can, can access my brain combined with the fact that they have this buffet of stuff that includes the toxic stuff. Am I, what, what do you think about that proposition? I think um, I think it's it's a, there's so there's two points there that I want to address. So the first is this concept of advertising as a product, and that's not inherently bad. So you are broadcasting this 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 program for free across the airwaves that anybody without paying you can can listen to, and then you sell advertisements against that to, to pay for it. Yeah, but so I'm a good guy. But you're a good guy. You're a human being, right? You're a human being who exercises editorial control over that content. Similarly, broadcast television was the most popular form of media for most of, of, of most current Americans' lifetimes. Um, and that has the exact same model and it didn't cause these harms. And so we can zero in on the cause of, uh, cause of the harms. The second half of what you're talking about is the, the real revealed preference problem. And so Facebook will say, you know, if you talk to a Facebook engineer, in fact, a conversation with somebody at Facebook is kind of what inspired this, um, th th this article for me. And they'll say, look, you know, pe what people click on, that's their revealed preference. That although they might say that I want the salad, when we actually put something in front of it, they eat, they eat the donut, um, and 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 that's the choice that they make. And we're just giving people what they want. And my response to that is that that's why I have a weight problem, right? That's why I am harmed. And the way I solve that is by not buying a donut in the first place. And I get to make that choice as a human being and an American. And what Facebook is doing is, is Facebook is putting donuts in front of every single American and saying, don't you want to eat this? And it, it makes it difficult for the, the angels on our shoulder to, to make good decisions. And that leads to people maybe, you know, if you think about, a, uh, uh, if you think about you know, a, an old town village, every village had a crazy on the end of the street who's out there spouting conspiracy theories. 
And all that Facebook is, Facebook is doing is Facebook is giving that person a platform, but also removing the knowledge we have of that person. We don't know that that's a crazy person because we don't have this kind of small village and we can't ignore the crazy person, person on the street. Facebook is giving that person millions of views and that, that's the inherent problem with the algorithm. And in your analogy, the donut is addictive. The donut keeps us coming back and Facebook has a financial incentive to keep us coming back and it wants its algorithm to do that. In your analogy, it's a donut. Mine, it's a mixture of ice cream and, and cocaine. I, I'm not sure where I came up with that, but, <laughs> but it, their incentive is to give us this stuff, which is destructive, addictive. And look, I mean, we know that people, people if exposed to this kind of addictive content, they're going to choose it way more than they even intend to. That's our lizard brain inside us. That's the way it works. And it is a problem. So when you say end the algorithm, what do you mean specifically? Because I, 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 in reading your article, there's a tie between the idea of ending the algorithm. And this is going to sound like it's way down in the weeds, but it's, 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 a, pretty, it's a pretty easy idea as it's been explained. There's this section of, of law, you, you'll hear it referred to as section 230, that, that, that basically shields platforms, social media companies like Facebook from being sued for their content. And, and you draw a connection between those two. So, so what is that connection and why is ending the algorithm the key to fixing the problem? So in 1997, Congress passed what's called the Communication Decency Act. We're early in the internet and the question is, is are people who host user-generated content online liable for the harms caused by that user-generated content? So the contrast here is you imagine a newspaper and I write an op-ed for that newspaper and that, that, that op-ed um, libels somebody else. I could be sued and the newspaper could be sued for publishing a libelous article. And that is what, that's the publisher relationship. And what, what the, the Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act did is it established a legal protection, liability protection for internet um, uh, providers, uh, I'm sorry, uh, internet service providers who, um, uh, I'm sorry, interactive service providers who, who put content online. So when I upload a video to YouTube, you, I cannot sue YouTube for the harms caused by that video. Someone else cannot sue YouTube for the harms caused by that video. I put something on Facebook, I cannot sue Facebook for the harms caused by, by that video. And overall, this is a very good policy. This is a policy that allows the internet to exist as it is. If it did not exist, we could not have user-generated content on the internet because it is too broad and too difficult for any of these platforms to, to not be sued all the time. Uh, there's just too much stuff on, uh, on, the, on these platforms to prevent that. And so that's where we were for a very long time on the internet. And then these social media platforms go from being a simple host, a simple place where you put stuff and direct people to a page um, to being uh, promoters, to choosing what content by an algorithm is, the algorithm is promoted. And by doing that, all of a sudden they're doing something very different. This is not, these, now it's not just Americans talking to each other. Now we are, we're talking about Americans um, uh, uh, being published by a by what is essentially a publisher, but arguably this is this has not been litigated in court. But but arguably right now you cannot sue these platforms for the decisions made by their algorithms. Now to show you how absurd this is, let's imagine for a second that there was a Facebook front page 
And instead of that front page being automatically populated by a robot, that front page was populated by a bunch of editors at Facebook. And the editors at Facebook put up a piece of harmful content, some sort of content that you that somebody would be sued for, one of Alex Jones's things. If they did that, then Facebook would be open to liability because then it is functioning as a publisher. It's, it's as if the New York Times hosted that same, that same piece of content. But as long as it is a user-generated feed generated by an algorithm right now, you can't sue them for it. All that stuff that Hogan brings up, for the most part, Facebook has zero legal liability except for some core areas that the regulatory regime allows it to happen. That's why they spend a lot of time talking about kids, because one of the ways that that we, we one of the ways we do regulate this activity is through uh, through children. And one of one of the things that she found and that she revealed was that Facebook was marketing uh, to children and trying to get more children under the age of thirteen hooked on the platform. That's bad, and we can talk about why that's bad if you want. But that's not that's really not the issue here. The issue here is all of those other harms being caused by their platform. We have vaccine skepticism in the United States because of Facebook, not just COVID-19 vaccine skepticism. If you go back and you look at vaccine skepticism in the 2000s, it was low. There were not a whole lot of people uh, who, who, were, who were all that concerned about vaccinations. We had a very high vaccination rate. We've almost eradicated some very large and serious diseases. And then Facebook comes along. And Facebook starts serving vaccine skepticism content to millions and millions of people. And now before COVID-19 hits, before this even becomes a politicized issue, you have measles outbreaks in the United States in the 2010s. Disneyland had a measles outbreak in the 2010s. That is because this information is being shared indiscriminately to large numbers of people. Um, and that process is repeated over and over again. I would like to sue Facebook for that. If my kid got sick because I believe a piece of content that me and millions of other people um, saw on Facebook, I think I should be able to sue the publisher of that content for, for doing that. And, and, and maybe that's not a situation where you see a lawsuit. You can imagine other situations, situations like the Sandy Hook shooting. Well, listen, I mean, I, I, just to read this back to you to make sure I've got it. Okay. So if you, EJ Fake, worked at Facebook and you decided, it was your job to decide what appeared on the platform. And you published an article by me claiming that, you know, vaccines don't work. And you could be sued. Facebook could be sued because you, a human, made that decision to publish. Just the same way a newspaper is responsible for what it decides to publish. If you then program an algorithm, because you're clever, to say, I want you to select articles like this, because articles like this are what get people's attention. We know people are going to read stuff like this. So we definitely want you to select this article. You get to use that algorithm as a shield, even if, and this is what Fra Francis Haugen showed and proved in documents this week, even if you know full well that the algorithm is going to make the same choices that you would have made as a human if your only mission is to get people to pay attention. It, you're, you're using the algorithm as a shield. Is that right? That, that is correct. And that to me, it just shows the absurdity of, of, of the situation. Uh, this al algorithms are designed by humans. And although you might not program in, I want more Alex Jones content. Those consequences are measurable and foreseeable. And the, the revelation from Haugen is not only are they measurable and foreseeable, but they were measured and they were seen and then they were ignored. 
And at that point, we're starting to talk about a company that is not just incidentally harming people, that is doing its normal thing. And in the process of doing that normal thing, some harms come and, um, and maybe that's just too bad. Maybe that's a cost we pay for the existence of Facebook. But Facebook doesn't need to be this way. We can have modern Facebook that will make buckets of money without these algorithms. They might not make the, you know, 20 buckets of money. They might only make five buckets of money, um, but they're, they're, prof they're a profitable company. They can exist without it. And they have shown that they can design an algorithm that doesn't do this. But I do not think we should, I, I think it is wrong to think about Facebook as, a, uh, as the, the arbiter of what is okay to say and share on the internet. Well, uh, the, the parallels to, I mean, there was a whole movie about this. Uh, people of a certain age remember it in real time. The parallels to 60 Minutes and the cigarette data, the, the cigarette scientist, Jeffrey Wigand, the insider, and coming forward. And, and this situation with Francis Haugen are, are really, the parallels are really stunning. And I, I'm not the first person to draw this analogy. Ms. Haugen actually drew it herself. But what you're talking about here is a company or a set of companies in the case of tobacco that know, they knew for years how dangerous their products were, the harm that their products would cause. We now have hard and fast data on this when it comes to teenagers, but we know that the harms are there for the rest of us who are older than teenagers as well. And I mean, your, your point about we have the data on vaccine skepticism, and we know the very, very real harm that is, that is creating in America today. But we also know the effect in terms of our politics. We, we know from these documents, for example, that political parties in other countries have said outright, look, the only way that our stuff is making it onto your platform so that people actually see it is if we go as extreme as possible. We, we, we have to, we have to make it absolutely burning up on fire, extreme stuff. Otherwise the algorithm is just going to kill it. No one's ever going to see it. And by the way, I follow some politicians on Twitter, for example, it's a different platform, same, same, same deal also on Facebook. And, you know, they have these anodyne posts about, you know, like I went to the hospital today to talk about getting more healthcare support for working families. And that gets, you know, one or two views. And then you have some crazy person saying some Sarah Palin-esque crazy thing, and it gets millions and millions of views. You cannot convince me. Uh, I'm sorry. Now I sound like a crazy person. There is a, a very clear correlation between that type of content and our politics going completely off the rails about a decade ago. Remember that Twitter introduced the retweet button in 2009. Facebook in competition introduced the share button in 2012. These things are not that old. And it was that propensity for virality and the algorithm's ability to see what was viral and to, and to measure people's engagement and sharing of content that made things go off the rails in the first place. So I, I, there, there's not really a question. That was a lot more of a rant, but you, one can really see how in the case of Facebook, it's a very parallel situation with the tobacco company case. You have a product that is causing harm 
in a measurable way. You have inside documents that show that the company knew, they knew about it the whole time. And now we're in a position where the ball is really in Congress's court because I, I, don't, I don't see that there's any worming around this uh, unless you do. I mean, is, is, there, is Facebook gonna get, ultimately get away with this here? Will they get away with it? Maybe. Um, I will say that there is no prospect that this was a self-regulation situation. Um, they are not going to do this themselves. And Haugen said that, and I think anybody who hopes that a company will cut its own revenue considerably, we are talking about Mark Zuckerberg being much less rich after, the, after we have a change. He's still going to be very rich, much less rich. Anytime you ask a company to do that, you're going to fail, right? The cigarette companies had to be forced Right? We had to have public policy to make it to bring down the rates of cigarette uh, uh, of cigarette smoking, and we're we're a better a better country, a better people for that. Um, I, you know, you can look, you can watch a hearing, and most televised congressional hearings are conflict-ridden affairs. This is not new to Facebook. Um, a, a famous political scientist back in the 1960s, his name is E. e. Schachtneider, he famously wrote that that politics is about appealing to the crowd, and nothing draws a crowd like a fight, and that is. And, and, you know, and, and media people for long, for the longest time have said, if it bleeds, it leads, right? We, you know, conflict is what we report on. And, and, and that's been a structural problem with media for a long time. The, the difference is, is that the, the algorithm doesn't get to choose, uh, you know, it doesn't get to moderate that a little bit. Um, editors of, uh, uh, of major news outlets, you know, they, 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 made, they made a different change. They made, they made a different decision. Um, I was shocked by how much agreement there was at this hearing. You know, you, if you wanna look at a policy change that's coming, look at a moment where you have exchanges like the moment between Senator Moran, who's a Republican, and Senator, Senator Blumenthal, who's, who, is a, who is a Democrat. And at one point, Senator Moran says, you know, I don't think we, we disagree very much on this issue. And Senator Blumenthal said, yeah, I think you're right. Um, it is very clear that there is going to be some sort of, of, of law passed to go after Facebook, maybe for different reasons. The, the parties have different critiques of Facebook. Let me tell you where I don't think that law is gonna be. I don't think it's gonna be around content moderation. So the parties both are angry at Facebook over content moderation for the opposite reason. They are both, angry, the Democratic Party is angry that Facebook is not moderating extreme content. But, but I don't think the law that's eventually passed here is gonna be about content moderation because there is no overlap between the parties' positions on that issue. Democrats want more content moderation of extreme, of extreme content. Republicans want less of it. There is, no, there is no space for agreement in that debate. Where there is space for agreement is to get Facebook out of the business of, of, of politics. Let face, turn Facebook into a dumb pipe, which is what you would do by removing the algorithm from, from Facebook. Americans have the right to free speech and free association, which means they have the right to listen to a crazy person. And I think everybody in the political system understands that. And if you remove algorithms from this equation, then you have, you have a world where Facebook is able to host user-generated content, to provide tools to users to, to send that content to their friends um, and, 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 and maybe even build fairly large followings, but doesn't decide which content is going to be successful and which content is going to be less successful. They will still have to moderate that content, but if, they're, if, they're, if it's not going out to millions of people, the stakes are lower. They don't have to worry that much about the content that's on their platform, and we can we can step away from content moderation a little bit and and, and allowing you know a, a couple thousand contractors at Facebook to be the arbiters of free speech on the internet. 
Um, well, similar for YouTube, I, similar for Twitter. I totally agree. And by the way, the reason content moderation isn't going to work is first of all, there's just too much volume. They, they can't possibly keep up with the, what, what's the number like a hundred billion posts a day? There, there's just no way to do it. And there's no way, setting artificial intelligence on the problem is truly setting the wolf to guard the sheepfold. We're not going to do that. And to your earlier point, I don't see a way, and this is why I brought up the business model. There, the executives of the company have a duty to their shareholders. They, they, they can actually be sued by their shareholders if they don't maximize shareholder value. I'm not trying to excuse their behavior here because at a certain level, I mean, look, I think they should be sued. They know that they have a harmful product and we now have evidence that Mark Zuckerberg said, huh, yeah, that's a corker. I'm really sorry that suicidal ideation goes up among teens when they're exposed to our product. Hmm. Let's continue developing that product though. I mean, I, I, he, should be, he should be liable for that. But there's, there's no way that we're going to sort of shame or jawbone these executives into doing something that is against the financial interest of the company um, and that essentially uh, drives down the value of their own stock. They have to be induced via another means. And I think you've really put your finger on it when it comes to the link between the algorithm and liability to lawsuit. If they can be sued, then their whole financial incentive changes when the company could be exposed to billions of dollars of losses in class action lawsuits. And that weighs against the potential profit from increased engagement. Personally, I think it goes beyond just the liability shield to the whole idea, as you've said, of the algorithm itself and the ability of artificial intelligence to pump stuff into our brains. If you removed that, that intermediation of the algorithm, and this just became a forum where, hey, people people post things, you create social networks among people you want to be connected to, you share things mutually. I don't see a particular problem with that. But I, I want to ask you about that because I do think there's a little distinction here. There's a little distinction in, in, the, in the level of focus between Republicans and Democrats. It does seem, from what I've heard in, in, in their statements, that Republicans are a little bit more worried about political bias in deplatforming. They're a little bit more worried about, huh, maybe this is a font of misinformation. And Democrats are saying, well, hold on here. Maybe the whole thing is a mess. Maybe it's just bad for health. Maybe this is about harm. Do you, are, are, are either side kind of missing the boat in all of this? I mean, is there any, let me, let me ask it a slightly different way. Is there any healthy version of Facebook that continues to have the algorithm? I don't think there's a healthy version of Facebook that continues to have the algorithm. I think these are inherently dangerous. This is an inherently dangerous technology. Um, I, I think if you look at what Republicans are angry about, they are angry that they think that Facebook is putting the thumb on, on the scale away from them, that they, that they are getting less attention than they should um, because Facebook has made some decisions about content moderation. And Democrats are concerned that all those people that Facebook are moderating seem to be Nazis. 
and, uh, and, and that's a problem. Those are both related and, and unrelated concerns. Right? The, the related concern is that we're talking about the same people here. Republicans see them as their constituents. Democrats see them as Nazis. Um, or, or, or you know, there's some fine line kind of in between all of these. Nobody's being deplatformed for talking about taxes being lower. Uh, but I, I just don't want Facebook to make that decision, right? Like, there's, this, is not, this, is, this is not how the public square should work. Um, but if we had no regulation of algorithms, which is, I think, closer to what some of the Republicans seem to be wanting, that, they're, that essentially Facebook has no content moderation or very minimal, only very bright line content moderation, well, all of a sudden the Nazis get millions of views, and that's not good either. And, and so I think, I think the, the, the only space where these two sides can compromise, it's not over content moderation, it's not over um, you know, a, you know, the, putting a government regulator in charge of this, this decision, which is what Facebook is asking for. Um, it's no, no algorithm. Have, you are not allowed to, to use this type of technology to serve content to people. Users should do it themselves. And the internet was not that bad back when that used to happen. I mean, we're not that old, Matt, you and I. Like, we remember 2010 when you would go on Twitter and it would just be a, a chronological order of your the people you followed. Or you go on Facebook and the newsfeed was a chronological order of what you followed. Or you go today to the subscription tab of YouTube and you get that. But the platforms haven't bothered to innovate any of that stuff. They haven't bothered to give me tools to get, make myself a better subscription page because they don't want me on the subscription page. They want me on the algorithm. They want me on my homepage where they can tell me what, what videos I want to watch. You know, if start a, one great exercise is start a fake account. Start a new account on any of these platforms and start with any type of political information. So, so start a new account and then search for monetary policy, which should be a very boring not particularly exciting realm of policy, but also incredibly important. And it's not that long before you're going to start getting real crazy gold bug stuff. It's conspiracy theories about the Fed and all those types of things. That's I think that, that really is the point, isn't it? it it's that there's no, it, it, it always ends up in the same place. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more that there's really not a healthy way to do this because at the end of the day, when you put those, when you combine, the two forces, the business incentive that Facebook's entire business model is to make us the product, our engagement, our attention, along with the algorithm that sets out the buffet, but then puts its thumb on the scale for the cocaine. It's just, it's, it's always going to end up in a toxic place. And you're not going to content moderate your way out of that, especially not when Democrats and Republicans can't agree on what's the right stuff to moderate out. Yeah, and you know, think about any any type of artificial intelligence. Any type of artificial intelligence you're giving it a goal, and you're going to get the goal if it's a good algorithm. And Facebook has public has created a very good algorithm. They got what they asked for, which is a Facebook that people are angry and engaged and commenting and yelling at each other and causing conflict. And that's that's what is going to make money for Facebook. And it's not their job to decide what they should, you know, what is good for society and what isn't. And I think, I think we should sue them for it. I think we should be allowed to sue Facebook for those decisions. If they caused harm, I want my day in court, but right now I'm not allowed to. Well, amen to that. And this has been an absolutely fascinating discussion. And again, kudos to you for, for seeing all of where we were going to be now a year ago. So I hope people will subscribe to this podcast for more fascinating insights like we just got from Dr. Fagan. And uh, you can like us on Facebook at Beyond Politics as well. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Matt.